Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Well, we've been in a series on favor, and we've been looking in Luke chapter 4, and today we'll be going back to Luke chapter 4, and also, if you have your Bible, you can look in Psalm 57, and I've titled this message, if you've taken notes, I've titled it, Confessions from a Cave. Confessions from a Cave. Let's pick up in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking, and he's in the synagogue in his hometown. This is a place of worship, and he takes the scroll, and it's from Isaiah chapter 61, and after he reads this portion of scripture, he tells them, today in your hearing, this prophecy is fulfilled. So it's a very big statement that he makes, but starting in verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is known as Jesus' mission statement. If you think about when a president comes into office and their inaugural address and they get in before the nation and they declare what their next four years are going to look like, what their leadership is about, what their intentions are, this is what Jesus is doing in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he takes the scroll, he opens it, he finds Isaiah 61 that is prophetic about the Messiah to come and he says, these are the things that I'm about. This is why I've come. This is why I'm on planet Earth, to set captives free, to preach the gospel to the poor, that the blind will see, and that those who are oppressed will be set free by the power of what he has to offer. And I have great news for you, is that Jesus' mission is not just for Jesus. But when we become followers of Jesus, this mission becomes our mission. It's not, man, Jesus, way to go. You preaching to the poor, that's awesome. Jesus, way to go, you're setting captives free. When we start following him, we adopt this mission that he's about. I was thinking about it in these ways. I have a family, I've got a wife, I've got three kids, I've got a great family, and, and we have this thing I say at our house called the Ray Way. Our last name is Ray, and it just kind of goes together well, the Ray Way. And I say, you know, the Ray Way, if you are Ray, this is what you're about. You love Jesus, you love people, we're kind. How many think it's a pretty good idea if you love Jesus, love people, you're going to be kind to people? you got to let them know you like them. Uh, we're kind, and we use our words to encourage others. And the fifth thing is that we have fun. That's our family. That's the Ray Way right there. You can write those things down if you want. And no one is writing them down. You're not very impressed. <laughs> well, that's good. Thank you. Jesus' mission is the church's mission. When Jesus says that he has come to set the oppressed free, guess what we are to do? Set the oppressed free. The, the house of God, the people of God, we are not about oppressing people. We're not about putting bondage on people. There should be no room for hate or prejudice or, or racism 
or division. Even if somebody looks different than you, acts different than you, believes different than you, we are about blessing people, not oppressing people. You will never win somebody to Christ by being angry at them. You, you will never win some over for Jesus by oppressing them. Man, that's why I love this church. This church is filled with different races and backgrounds and cultures, and that's the way the church should look like because that's what the kingdom looks like. And Jesus says, I've come to set people free from oppression. But sadly, we live in a world where, where people can be pretty mean. Man, people can draw some pretty defined lines in the sand and if you don't fit their paradigm, if you don't fit their way, then they can be oppressive to you. They can hate you. Sadly, the people sometimes who are supposed to love you the most reject you the most. And there's no pain like oppression from someone who's supposed to be for you, but they're against you. And so this morning, what I want us to look at just for a few moments is what is your spiritual response when you face oppression? Because it will come. You'll face oppression from people. You'll face spiritual oppression from the enemy. He, he, he seeks to destroy. And what is our response when these things take place? I love Psalms. I love Psalm 57. I've been in this chapter for like six months, just reading it and marinating it in my spirit. And David in this chapter is find himself in a place of oppression. He is running from King Saul, and he's hiding in a cave. And he makes some confessions here that will change your world if you can hold on to these confessions. So I'm just going to give you two today, two confessions while you're in a cave. It says, have mercy on me, starting in verse 1. Oh, God, have mercy on me. I look to you for, help me out, what's it say? Protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. Verse 2. I cry out to God, most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. I love this. What amazing confession. And the light of what he's going through and the circumstance that he's in. You know, David was anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel comes, he anoints David. David would then immediately after be called into King Saul's presence, Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit, and some of you guys know this, but David would go and he'd play his harp, and the anointing was on him. It's not about his talent with the harp, it's about the power of the Holy Spirit on him. And when he would play that harp, and he was faithful to worship God, then the evil spirits would leave Saul. David would then, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, defeat Goliath. An amazing scene. A giant falls. No one else would face him. David stood up as a little boy, and he faced him, and he defeated Goliath. David's life continues. He ends up marrying Saul's daughter, Michael, and he gets married to her, and now he's part of the family. He's the son-in-law. Saul is his father-in-law. Then David gets placed as a military leader, and he's over captains, and he's over generals. And man, David's life is on the, the path to the kingdom. But then one day, everything changed, and I don't think David saw it coming. I don't think David was like, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to do all these great things. God is going to anoint me. He's going to use me. And then out of nowhere, Saul is going to hate me. Man, he's going to despise me. He's going to want to kill me. He's going to throw spears at me. And I know what's going to happen next. I'm going to go run and hide in caves for years. 
and it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be beautiful. I, I just love this thought, and I'm gonna be there until God fulfills his purpose for me. That's the way it's going to happen. How many of you know that seasons like a cave season, you do never predict and to happen in your life? You don't see them coming. You don't hope they're coming. But these seasons happen in David's life, and guess what? They happen in our life as well. You will walk through seasons where you look and you see where you are and you think, God, how in the world did I end up here? Somebody help me preach today. And you look around and you think, God, I've been faithful to you. I've been serving you. And here I am in a cave season. I never saw it coming, but nevertheless, here I am. Caves are not comfortable. Caves are dark. They're, they're lonely. They're isolated. They're cold. They're, they're, it's not like this glorified camping uh, trip that you're on. A cave is not a place that you would sign up to be, but nevertheless, a cave is where David ended up being. So what happens? What do we do? What do we say when we find ourselves in a season that we never anticipated or planned and saw as part as what God was going to do in us and through us, but nevertheless, that's where we are. I don't know about you, but I've been in seasons like this. I've been in seasons where I've looked around and thought, God, are you really in this? God, is this really you? I, I like defeating giants. I liked leading in the military. I like the opportunities that had the, the grandeur on them. But here I am in a cave. Could you really be in this place? And some of you here today, you're in a season right now. This is not something that you have been. This is something that you're currently in. And God is going to speak to you this morning. I'm telling you, God is going to set some people free this morning. I, I, as I prayed for this and I prepared for this, I could feel the Holy Ghost all over me preparing for this message because there's people who need to hear it. And if you're not in this season now, I promise you, and I'm not speaking doubt, I'm just telling you the truth, you will find yourself in this season at some point in your life. But God is faithful. God is sovereign. God will see you through. And with these confessions that we find that David speaks, I'm telling you, you got to hold on to these confessions that we're going to learn today. So you got to hold on. I was thinking about my sons a couple of years ago. I came and we got a place right over here, the garage where we work out. And uh, many of you, you look at me and you think, man, I'm intimidated by his physical presence. I know what you're thinking right now. He must go all the time. <laughs> and we came and Bethany was busy she was doing something she had Alan with her and so I brought my two boys and I love my boys man I love them uh, it's not a great idea if you're going to work out to bring your kids along with you my kids they they follow me like crazy I don't know if you're a parent in here and you have little kids and it's like they are your shadow anywhere you go they go like I can't escape them at home I have to lock doors to get away and, and they just knock, Daddy, you in there? And they, they just follow me. So I come here, Mr. Bob, and I'm here working out. And, and they are right, they're like glued to me. Pull on my shirt. Hey, Dad, can we go ride the golf cart? No, son, we're working out right now. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get this workout in? I, how, how am I going to do this with them standing right here? I can't lift weights. I'm going to hit one of them. And Bethany's going to be not happy with me. What in the world can I do? And I, this was such a great creative dad moment that I had. I was blown away by my creativity and my insight. Perhaps it was the Lord. And I saw there was these medicine balls that are about 20 pounds. And I don't know if you've ever held a medicine ball before, but we do these workout anyway. I see these medicine balls and, and I thought, hey boys, I know what we can do. 
Both of you see how long, at the same time, hold these medicine balls to see how long you can hold them. And I literally thought that maybe this would last five minutes. They have a picture of it on the screen. It's beautiful. One of the most proud dad moments of my life. That's Elijah on the left. He was, he was seven at the time. That's Judah. He was five. 20-pound medicine balls. I'm thinking I might be able to get a couple sets in. They were so determined with these medicine balls. They would not let go of the medicine balls. They didn't hold it for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. They held it for 34 minutes. Keep the picture up. Keep the picture up. 34 minutes. Some of us in here can't do that. And they're holding it. Man, they're, they're just working. And they're, they're saying, I'm not letting go. And it just got to the point where we had to leave. Like, it was like, okay, sons, drop the medicine ball. They're like, I'm not dropping it. Judah, you drop it. Judah's like, I'm not dropping it, Elijah. He's got the deepest voice ever. I'm not dropping it, Elijah. You drop it. And Elijah's like, no, you drop it. And they held it and held it. They would hold it with one hand. They would get down like this. They'd hold it like this. And finally, I said, guys, you got to drop the ball. And they finally dropped the ball. Why do I share that with you? Because when you're going through difficult times in your life, there are certain things you have to hold on to with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's the word of God, man. This is what you got to hold on to when you're in the caves of oppression and attack you got to hold on with everything you've got you will not see victory spiritual victory by being spiritually passive you got to be aggressive in the kingdom the enemy is aggressive in attacking you you better be aggressive in attacking back and David gives us some confessions that are transformational then I'm telling you man you hold on to them even if you're shaking even if you don't know if you can make it, you keep holding on. Those boys, their knees were shaking. Man, their arms were shaking, but they would not let go. How much spiritual muscle are we using in this place? Because God will equip you. It's not just, oh, I've got I've to muster up all this strength. God will equip you with the strength that is needed in the season that you are in. He will not leave you alone and helpless, but he will give you every single thing you need. Amen. Let's go over these. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. First thing is this, God is my protector. That's what he confesses. Psalm 57 verse 1 says, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes. David declares in the midst of running for his life from his father-in-law, King Saul, the most powerful man in the nation, and an army pursuing after him, that Saul might be against me, but my God is for me. Saul might be persecuting me, but my God is the one who can protect me. And listen, faith is not about denying reality. It's not, oh man, my life is awesome. My life is grand, no problems here. Like, why do we do that as Christians? Who are we trying to impress when somebody comes to us and says, how are you? And we say, oh, man, brother, I'm too blessed to be depressed. No, you're not. You're in a cave. You're going through it. You've got hardships. David didn't say he didn't have enemies. He didn't say he wasn't being oppressed. He didn't say he wasn't being persecuted. But he did say, my God is my protector. My God will see me through. People may come against you and circumstances may attack you and spiritual adversaries may come into you and try to attack your life, but man, God is your protector in life. David did not put his confidence and his strength and his hope and his security in the cave. 
The cave was just a place that he was staying. He did not put his confidence and his hope and his security in the 400 men who were with him. He didn't even put it in his own military genius and prowess. He put his hope and his confidence that God was his protector. Do you know God is your protector? I mean, do you really know him as your protector? Not just, oh yeah, I believe in God and God exists. Do you know him that he is with you? That he is for you? And whatever place you find yourself in, an enemy might come against you, but they cannot touch you as long as God is protecting you. They may say things to you, do things to you, but you are under divine protection and you've got to speak it. You've got to believe it. This will not be generated from your own feelings and your own emotions when you're in the cave. It has to be extracted from faith. It has to be extracted from a place where you say, God, I might not see this as a reality right now, but I'm going to declare it in faith right now. There might be many people who are against me, and all these things seem to be coming against me, but God, I know that you are for me, and if you are for me, God, who on earth can be against me? It's a resolve. It's a faith declaration. It's, it's, it's a, 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 a confidence inside of yourself not in you, but in God. I love Psalm 16. Some of you need to write this scripture down. This is a scripture you need to get in your spirit. Psalm 16, David says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. My world might be shaky around me, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. He is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. I love it. If you're going to have the right confession, it's imperative that you have the right focus. If your focus is off, your confession will be off. My wife, I'm amazed. She has the ability to zone into whatever she's doing. Like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, she is just so focused and I can get so distracted. Anybody in here, you get distracted, like somebody's walking and you, whoom, you just, you, just, you just can't help it. I just get distracted. And my wife is so focused. She can be watching a television show. And I, I promise, I feel like I could drive a vehicle through the living room and she would not even notice. She's so focused on what she's doing. Sometimes in life, there's things that are taking place all around us that are begging for your attention, your focus, that will not cause the right confession to come out of your mouth. And God wants you to get your focus on him. When my focus is not on him, my faith gets shaky. I promise you. I'm not up here saying, hey, I've got this thing mastered. I'm telling you, I've been recently in a cave season. And when I was in it, I'm telling you, there's so many things that try to beckon your attention. And when I start looking around at all this stuff that I'm trying to figure out, how is this going to work out? How is God using this? Man, how is this going to be overcoming our family? And I see all these things. I start to get my eyes down instead of lifting my eyes up. And I guarantee you, if your eyes stay down, then your words will stay down. But if you will lift up your head and you will see from where your help comes from, your words will be different. And you don't deny what's happening to you, but you cry out and say, in light of this, 
My God is faithful. My God is strong. My God will see me through. My God will not fail me. And some of you need to get a little work with this. I'm not being judgmental or cutting you down, but some of you need to step out a little bit spiritually and start praying some prayers of faith and belief, even though you're in a cave season saying, God, I trust you regardless of what I'm going through. My God is my protector. Second thing is this, is God will fulfill my purpose. God will fulfill my purpose. Psalm 57 verse 2 says, I cry out to God most high. David gets loud. He gets, pa- he gets passionate here. He's not just thinking it, he cries out. Sometimes you need to hear yourself say it. This isn't some name it, claim it, speak it message. I promise you I'm not going that way. But there is something powerful about speaking what it is you're holding on to and believing for. The enemy cannot read your mind, but I promise you he can hear the words that come out of your mouth. The scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's imperative that we speak that which we're believing God to do and what we know he's faithful to be able to accomplish. He says, I cry out loud to the Lord, to God who will fulfill his purpose in me. David somehow supernaturally knew this. To me, this might be the most powerful thing. He knew even in the cave, God's favor was on his life. We have been so prone into thinking that God's favor is only on my life when I'm on the mountaintop, when there's health in my body, when everybody's for me, when things are going smooth and things are easy in my life, when The doors I've been wanting to open are finally opened, and we say, okay, God's favor's on me now. Perhaps God's favor is not contingent, excuse me, help me, is not based on where I am. Let's Let's just make it simple, man. I'm from Alabama. Somebody help me out in here. I'm just glad I can read. I was trying to say conditioned, but it's feeling on a roll, too. It's not based on where I am. Some of you need to hear this because you've been in this series when you've been talking about favor and you say, well, I guess that's not for me because I don't feel like I have God's favor. Look where I am. Maybe it's not about where you are geographically and what you're going through in that moment. You might feel out of place, but maybe you're not out of position. David had to have felt out of place being in a cave. How in the world is the pathway to the purpose and the plan of God. But I believe with all my heart, he was never out of position, that he trusted that God, you're gonna see me through. And whether he's in the fields tending to sheep, or he's fighting a battle, or he's running from Saul, or he's reigning as king, God's favor was on him in every single season of his life. God's favor is on your life. God's favor, if you're faithful to him, you follow him, his favor is on you. It's not just for the spiritual elite. It's not just for those who seem like they have everything going on on social media. God's favor is on your life. Believe for it. Search God for it. Cry out for it. And see God do great things even in dark valleys. 
He has the power to do it. This is what David learned in the cave. I don't need the favor of Saul to step into my destiny. Man might try to stop your destiny, but he is incapable of doing so. If God is, his favor's on you, whatever he's called you to is going to happen in your life. Come on, can somebody give Jesus a hand cup? Some praise in this place, man. John 10, 10, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's God's plan for your life. That's God's purpose for your life. David held on to that. He confessed that. God, you are my protector. God, you are going to fulfill my purpose. While he's in a cave, he's confessing these things. What are you confessing today? What are you believing today? Verse 7, and we'll, we'll close with this. Psalm 57, verse 7 says, my heart is confident in you. Same chapter, just a few verses later. Oh God, my heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praise. You know what happens? You know what happens when you make these confessions, when you're going through things you never saw coming? And you hold on to God's word and you say, God, you're my protector. Even though I'm being oppressed, I'm holding on to you. God, you're gonna fulfill your purpose for my life even though I can't see it right now. I believe it with all my heart. You know what will happen? is your lips will start to praise him because your confidence in him is not contingent upon where you are in life, but who he is and where he is. And you cannot help yourself but to praise him with everything you've got. Fast forward years later, David is king. First, second Samuel chapter six, he's in his kingdom. Man, the kingdom is strong. Things are going well. But there's something missing that David says, I've got to have in the kingdom. It's the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was representation of God's presence. David goes and he goes after the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says that they would bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem where it's supposed to be. And every six steps, every six paces, they would sacrifice. And David worshiped God with everything he had. His wife, McCall, the daughter of Saul sees him and she ridicules her husband because of his extravagant worship and she says to him man you look like a fool today she literally said that how undignified the king has presented himself today dancing and worshiping God like this in front of people and David looks at her and some of you know this and he says I will become much more undignified than this let me tell you why David could say that. Because he knew what it was like to be in a cave. He knew what it was like to have the whole army against him. And when he declared and he confessed, you are my protector and you will fulfill my purpose, he didn't just say it to say it. He said it because he meant it and he believed it. And when he found himself not in the cave but in the castle, and he says, I've got to have the same presence that met me in the cave. I've got to have it here in the castle. I don't just need it when I'm in the cave. I need it when I'm on the mountaintop. I don't need God just when everything is going well. I need God every step of the way. And David says to her, I've got to praise him. You don't know where I've been. And here's the thing, and I'm not being mean to Michael, his wife, but she had never slept one night in the cave. And when you have gone through seasons and valleys and difficulty, circumstances, spiritual attack and people against you, but on the other side, you look back and you say, my God, look what you have done. You will praise like other people will not praise. Come on, if you believe it, 
Smile, look happy, clap, do something in here. That's who God is. That's who God is. How many of you have been delivered from some caves in your life? Man, who you used to be is no longer who you are. Though a thousand may attack me and 10,000 in my right hand, it shall not come against me. My God is my protector. My God is my provider. My God will fulfill his purpose for my life. My, oh, my. We kind of having some church up in here. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-253-2273.